pray. Lord, we take this moment to pause, to center our thoughts and our hearts on you. To attune our ears to what it is that you have to say this morning. We ask that you speak to us. We ask that if there is anything between us and you, that at this time, by your mercy and by your grace, that you remove that from us. So that we can freely hear you, we can freely communicate with you, and all the distractions and all the things that compete for our attention will just wither away. And as we read this word, this holy psalm that was written long, long ago, we ask that you use those words to inspire us, to ignite us, to enlighten us. Let your holy words find their way deep into our heart and change us and shape us into a more Christ-like people. Bless this time that we have together and with you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from Psalm chapter 80, verses 1 through 7 and verses 17 through 19. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man, whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. For some, the first week of December is always an exciting time when you go around uh, town and you start seeing greenery hanging up in places where it's normally not. You might hear the sound of bells jingling and children laughing and, uh, and just festivities going on that only happen this certain time of year. For some of us, that may be a very pleasant time of year. And for some people, maybe not. Everybody's walking around saying, Merry Christmas. Tis the season to be jolly. Have a jolly, holly Christmas. And then sometimes you just don't really feel that. The reason why is because life brings us pain and it brings us agony and it brings us anxiety and it brings us all kinds of things that can break us no matter what time of year it is. Pain knows no season. And so it's very hard if you're going through a time of trial, if you're going through a time of grief or a time 
of loneliness, whatever it may be, a time of illness, and then somebody says to you, have a Merry Christmas. Sometimes you just want to send it right back at them because pain knows no season. There was a song you're familiar with that is called Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. It was written by Hugh Martin for a movie called Meet Me in St. Louis starring Judy Garland. And when he wrote this song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, that as we know it now, it is a very joyful song, a very hopeful song. Even the title itself is, is uh, well-wishing. But the original lyrics to the song were very depressing and very dark. The original line was initially, Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. And later on in the song it said, There are no good times like the olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who were dear to us will be near to us no more. And this was the lyrics to the song. And they presented it to Judy Garland and to Tony Drake, who was in the film with her, and they said, no, this is depressing. You've got to change these words. And so Hugh Martin went back and he rearranged the words and he made it uh, a much more upbeat, much more promising and much more uplifting. But he left one line in there that was still a little bit gloomy. And it says, next year we will all be together if the fates allow. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. When Frank Sinatra sang the song about a decade later, he asked Hugh Martin to change that line too. He said, the name of my album is Have a Jolly Christmas and I don't want to sing, let's muddle through somehow. (laughs) And so Hugh Martin changed it. You see, his song was very authentic. It was from a place of pain. It was from a place of hurt and sorrow because that stuff knows no season. We carry that with us all year long. And it was in that context he wrote it. But the truth is, sometimes when people are in that situation, when they are going through darkness, they don't want to be constantly reminded of it. They want to sing something that gives them hope, that gives them joy. And that brings us to the Psalms. Throughout the Advent season, we are going to be reading a psalm each week and talking about how it it relates to the season. There's an old saying that there's a song for every season. Well, there's a psalm for every season, too. A psalm for every occasion. If you were to go through the 150 psalms in the Bible, you would see psalms of great joy, psalms of exaltation, psalms of of wonder, psalms of reflection, quiet meditation, psalms of thanksgiving, the psalms of lament, and psalms of sorrow. But even in those psalms of lament and sorrow, Every one of them, with one exception, every other one of them, those psalms of sorrow, they end with words of hope and promise. Because even when we are going through the darkness, when we are going through the sad times, when we express that through psalms, through songs, through prayers, through words, whatever it may be, we want to find hope. We want to find hope within ourselves. We want to find hope from God. And that's the significance of the Psalms. You see, singing is an expression of something that is deep within. Singing can be from a place of pain. It can be from a place of happiness. It can be from a place of love. But singing is something that is very deep to all of us. 
And if you ever think about just how weird it is that we come in here on Sunday mornings and we sing songs together, when else do you do that? When else during the week do you get together with a group of people and stand there and sing songs? It doesn't happen really. The, the, the two occasions that it really happens is in a worship service when you're giving your hearts to God, you're giving your voice and, and your inner being to God through song, or it happens during Christmas time when people get together and they're caroling and they're singing, Have a Merry Christmas, even though the season might not always be merry. You see, singing pulls something deep from within and it helps us to express it. That's why the Psalms are so important. Because whether it's a time of trial, a time of tragedy, a time of grief, a time of, of illness, a time of, of happiness, joy, whatever it is, there's a Psalm for that. There is someone crying out from the bottom of their heart and it's something that we can take, we can internalize because it means something to us. We can relate to it. One of the main reasons we sing is to give us hope. Singing brings us hope, and especially the words of the psalm, they remind us of the hope that God gives us. Just as Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra didn't want to dwell on something depressing, the psalms don't dwell on depression. Even in the midst of the lament, even in the midst of, Lord, how long? Lord, oh, why? Lord, why has this happened? There is still hope in the Psalms. The Psalms, this one in particular, point to Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in Him. The very first line of this Psalm is, Give ear, O shepherd. First of all, calling God a shepherd is recognizing His role as a caretaker. It's seeing that God is someone who fences us in. He hems us in. He keeps us from drifting. He keeps us from wandering. He keeps us from danger. He watches over us. He takes care of us. To call God a shepherd, to acknowledge Him as a shepherd at the very beginning of this psalm is to say, Lord, I know that You are provident, that You are watching over us, that You are keeping us from danger. And those first words, give ear, it's as if the psalmist is saying, look, I know you're a God of love and a God of providence. You're watching over us, but I have something to say, and I trust that you're going to listen to it. Give ear to what we cry out now. And then what does the psalmist cry out? Over and over again in the passage, restore us. Restore us, O God. And you can tell the psalmist is in a place of pain. He's talking about we've gone through this, we've, we've tasted the, the bread, our, 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 our bread is stained with tears. We've gone through some hard stuff. Restore us. It's a familiar frame, refrain, it's one that we can all say to God repeatedly. Oh God, restore us. The reason we can say that is because every one of us in our own way, we are all broken. Something can't be restored unless it is broken. It can be the most beautiful thing in the world, but it always needs work, right? An antique piece of furniture, an old classic car, a guitar that has been around for a long time, whatever it is, something that needs attention just simply because it's not in the shape that it once was in. We can all relate to that. Every one of us are broken just simply because we have been living here on this earth. From the moment we are born... We start to fall apart. 
maybe not physically, but definitely emotionally and spiritually. We all become broken in so many different ways. Everything that exists becomes faded or dusty or in need of restoration unless it is kept in a glass case where air can't get to it and nothing can destroy it. And likewise, every one of us become broken in some way unless we are just completely shut off from the world. And I don't think any of us want that. We are all broken. There's two things about uh, our brokenness that I'd like to say. The first is that our brokenness is very deep. We're not just a little bit flawed. We are all thoroughly broken deep down. We're like something with layers. You peel back and you find the more you peel back, the more brokenness there is, the more rot there is, the more decay there is. It just comes from living life in a world where there is hurt and where there is pain and where there is distrust. In the movie Shrek, Shrek says to Donkey, I'm, I'm a complex person, I'm like an onion. An onion has layers. And Donkey says, why can't you be like a cake? A cake has layers, everybody loves cake. Shrek says, I'm not like a cake, I'm like an onion. We're all like onions. We all have these layers to us of brokenness. And, and some of, we don't even realize how we are broken deep down. We live in an age where there's psychoanalysis everywhere. You go see a psychologist and they talk to you about your childhood and they try to figure out why you do the things you do. But the truth is there are certain things about ourselves we will never fully understand and nobody else will either. There are things that we might not even know. There are ways we are broken deep down that we might not be aware of. There's this concept called Jahari's window. And it's a picture if you imagine a window with four panes on it. One pane represents... What you know about yourself and what everybody else knows. One pain represents what you know about yourself but no one else knows. One represents what you don't know about yourself but everyone else does. And then one represents what no one knows about yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but those bottom two scare me. <laughs> the, the, the top two, the one that I know about this and everybody else knows about it, I can live with that, okay? I've got my flaws. Sometimes it's, I see them, you see them, we can work together on them. There's grace there, okay? And then there's the one that I know about the flaws that you don't know about. And I feel like, okay, I, that's something I can surrender to God. That's something I can work on. That's something I can pray through. And I, but then those bottom two are really troubling. The one where people see the flaws that you don't see. They see the brokenness there that you can't see. And then, of course, that last one, the brokenness that's there that no one sees, that no one knows. You might not even realize it about yourself, but it's true. We all have these things about ourselves that are broken, that are deeply, deeply personal. And for some reason, that abnormality is normal. In fact, there's no such thing as normal. If anybody is truly normal, they are abnormal. All of us are abnormal. All of us have our issues. We all have our flaws, our hiccups, our secret sins, our broken spots. That brings us to the second thing about our brokenness. We can't fix it. 
We can't do anything to fix ourselves. We can try. We can say, I'm going to work on my patience more. I'm going to work on my sense of humor more. I'm going to work on this or that or the other. But we can't do it on our own. In the end, we will always go back to being broken because life breaks us. And then we'll get frustrated. We'll be crushed, depressed, confused, and confounded because we couldn't fix this ourselves. And that's why we cry out, oh God, restore us. You see, when we are broken, when when anything is broken, the best person to restore it is the manufacturer. Guitars now are made all over the world. Some are outsourced to Korea and China and Japan and all this. But there was a point in time where most of them were, were made in America. And, uh, and even now, the, the really good ones are still made in America. But, but there was a time where if you bought a Gibson Les Paul and the wiring started to mess up on it, you could take it to an electrician. If the finish was starting to come off, you could take it to a woodworker. They might could do something. But you were never going to get it exactly right unless you went to Kalamazoo, Michigan, to the Gibson factory, and you asked them to restore it. Because that's the manufacturer. They have the right tools. They have the right parts. They have the right paint. And the manufacturer is going to get it right. When we cry out, oh God, restore us, we are saying we are broken and there is no one else that can fix us the way we need to be fixed. You are the manufacturer. You know how we are broken. You know what's in that fourth window. You know, God, the things that we can't see about ourselves. And you can address that. And you can fix that. We can't. The psalm is very prophetic. I don't think the psalmist knew what they were saying, but when you get down to the verse 17 and it says, this about the Son of Man, strengthen the Son of Man at your right hand. We know who that's talking about now, right? You see, the the shepherd, the psalmist starts off talking about the shepherd, but the shepherd comes to us in the flesh. Jesus Christ, who called himself the good shepherd, the one who would go and find the lost sheep, the one that would watch over us, the one that would take care of us. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd made flesh. And this was God's plan to restore us. This is the manufacturer's plan to restore us. This is God holding up his end of the warranty. We say at Easter that we are Easter people. And that's true. That means that we live with resurrection in our heart, in our minds, and on our lips. We live with the expectation that we will be resurrected with the risen Christ. And we are resurrected spiritually when we give our lives to him. We are Easter people. But we are also in a perpetual state of Advent. Advent is a season of hope and a season of longing and a season of expectation. Brokenness knows no season, but neither does hope. Christmas can be merry and it can be joyful, even in the midst of our grief and hardships and failures. Why? Because Christmas is the arrival of the great shepherd in the flesh. And for that reason alone, we have hope. For it's in him we find restoration when we are broken. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you forgive us for all the times that we have tried to fix our brokenness ourselves. 
We realize and we understand that that is foolishness. It is futile. There is no way we can see all our brokenness, all the layers of brokenness that we contain. Only you see that. But Lord, we confess to you that we are all deeply broken in some way. And so we ask that you restore us. Through the Son of Man, through the Great Shepherd, through the one whom we celebrate at Christmas and the one we wait for through Advent, you offer us restoration. Hear our prayer, Lord. Observe our brokenness and restore us. Heal us. Make us right in your eyes and put us in right standing once again so that we can be the people you intend for us to be. This is our prayer through Advent and through every season. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.